cups of coffee y'all drank this morning. <laughs> <laughs> gracious. That was beautiful. Can we give them one more, more round of applause? That was incredible. Amen. Well, before we continue in worship this morning, uh, I wanted to just take a moment for us to be still and to be present. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes when it comes to being in worship and being near to the Lord and drawing near to Him, when it comes time for me to draw in, I'm thinking about all the things that happened prior this week, <laughs> or I'm thinking about the things that are ahead of me. When the Lord is calling me to be present and still with him. And so I want to give you an invitation this morning before we continue. Quiet your heart, still your thoughts, and say, Lord, you are deserving of all of my worship, of all of my praise, and you're deserving of me right now. And so as I pray this morning, my, my desire for you, my heart, is that you quiet your mind and your thoughts to focus on the one who is worthy of it all. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come into your house, as we come among your people, Lord, we, we declare how good it is to be among your people. But Lord, we also declare how good it is to be in your presence. And Lord, as we are in your house and we worship you this morning, let our hearts draw near to you, not focused on what happened this week, not focused on what is going to happen, but Lord, we are focused on you and you alone. And God, in this moment that we have, in this time that we have, Lord, of worship, may you speak. And as you speak, may your servants hear and may we walk in obedience to how you are calling us. Father, we love you so much. And God, we declare and we say this morning that it is all about you. May all the glory, may all the praise and honor go unto the name above all other names. That is the name of Jesus, the name by which every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And so we declare that this morning, and we give you all praise. And it's in that mighty name that we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's continue in worship. Let's stand together, please, as we sing about our Father's great love for us. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to Breath has 
will not boast. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection. Why should I gain? This I know, but this I know with all my heart is to paid my ransom. What gift, what gift of grace? Jesus, my Redeemer, there is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I
with every breath, with every breath, I long to follow Jesus, for he has said that he will bring me home, and day by day I know he will renew me, until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hope, to this I hope, my hope is only Jesus, all the glory evermore to Him. Grace is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ. To this I hold, ready? To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, all the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. When the race, when the race is complete, Still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Rachel and I'm the discipleship and social media ministry coordinator here at Anastasia and we're so excited to be worshiping with you all today both in person and online so hello to all of our online friends this morning um, here at Anastasia we do offer a text-based platform to better connect our members and first-time visitors um, so you can text the word connect to 904-441-6900 to submit a prayer request or just to let us know that it's your first time with us this morning. If you're interested in receiving a digital bulletin, you can also text the word NEWS to that same number and get a list of everything that's going on in the life of our church throughout the week. Um, just some things that we want to highlight about what's going on this week at church. On Wednesday, we are having our Lifehouse Night of Worship here in the Sanctuary. Um, it's going to be at 6 p.m., and we're just so excited to gather um, all generations together and just worship. It's going to be a great time, so we encourage you to come if you're able. Um, this upcoming Saturday, February 4th, we're having our champion men's event, and we're so excited. It's going to be a great time of food and fellowship, and we're going to have a mechanical bull. So if you want to see Pastor Sam, maybe hop on the mechanical bull. 
Saturday's your chance. Um, if you are wanting to register for that, you can head over to our website and sign up there. And ladies, don't feel too left out because on February 25th, we're having our women's prayer gathering happening across the hall. And we're going to have a guest speaker and Pastor Bobby is going to be providing us with worship. So it's just going to be a great time and we're really looking forward to it. And then if you have a middle school or a high schooler in your life, we would love for them to join us for Impact Week happening March 3rd through the 5th. It's going to be a great time of just fellowship and worship, and it's just really fun to see the kids grow in their relationship with God over that short weekend. And without further ado, I'm going to hand it, hand it over to Mr. Lewis. Thank you, Rachel. Good morning, church. I am super excited to see you here today and to announce something that's an update with our For Generations to Come Faith campaign. Last month, December of 2022, we eclipsed the $5 million number. So thank you so much for your continued faithfulness. And um, next month is actually going to celebrate our third year of our journey in fulfilling God's vision here with our For Generations to Come Faith campaign. And so beginning next Sunday and throughout the entire month of February, everything that we collect for generations to come will go toward our third year fruit offering. So we would ask that you continue to faithfully pray how God would use you to come alongside and participate. One of the ways you can give is online with your device right here by texting to 904-441-6900, the, the, the name 4G, and you'll get some drop-down prompts for you to be able to just go online and to make either a one-time contribution in the month of February, or maybe God is leading you to come alongside and to make a pledge and continuing as we continue to fulfill the vision that we're having here with the two new buildings. So, church, thank you so much for your continued faithfulness, and God bless. Hey, church family. My name is Lewis Fisher, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving on our building steering committee here at Anastasia and completing the two buildings that we are calling the Family Ministry Center and the Activity Center. And I'm here today with our youth pastor, Jeremy Carlton, who is going to lead our teenagers uh, in these new buildings to get a little bit clearer vision of his vision of what it will look like, how it will impact our youth once they are completed. So give us a little bit idea of what you do every single weekend or, or during the week with our teenagers because you're the one who has the pulse and I think lots of us need to really know what's going on down there. Well, thanks so much for having me. Uh it is my honor to be the youth pastor here, and, and I love working with our teenagers. We have large group and small group, and our large groups are designed to uh, reach new students and to help them to connect with God and people. We do that through worship services, large group worship services where we have music and um, we have biblical messages tailored specifically for our students. We also then move them to life groups, our small groups, where we um, train our volunteers to disciple them and help them to take steps closer to Jesus. We help them to learn to apply the biblical messages that we teach them. And then we also uh, have our small groups, we send them out to volunteer and serve in the community. 
We also have special events through the year. We do Impact Weekend, which is like a, a discipleship weekend. We do summer camps and a lot of other summer events. Wow, that is fantastic. Now, having been a parent myself, I'm sure that uh, working with teenagers is not all bells and whistles and ping pong games all the time. So this is 2023. Uh, I'm dating myself. I'm 65. So share with us a little bit about the heart of the ministry today. What does it look like in 2023? Yeah, it's, it's really um, quite incredible to minister to teenagers nowadays. Now, working with teenagers, there's a lot that is always going to be the same. There's those typical sex, drugs, and rock and roll issues. And as long as you have um, kids whose hormones are raging and they're changing and growing and learning out, learning about who they are as people, you're gonna have all of those issues. But there's an element in today's world that is so much different than it ever has been before. So when you add social media to the mix, things get crazy um, in a hurry. And when you add anxiety and depression more now than ever, then you see that these kids are hurting in ways that they never had before. And they are less equipped to process through these very, very difficult situations in uh, our world and in our culture. Let me give you for example. If you and I did something when we were in high school um, and we weren't really proud of it on a Friday night, it might take two or three days before the whole crowd figured out what, what happened. But nowadays, with everybody with a cell phone and a camera in their pocket, and everybody with access to social media so quickly, you can do something stupid on a Friday night, and in about 15 seconds, 600 or 1,000 or more people have seen your photo of exactly what you do, and they can zoom right in on it. That's an incredible amount of pressure, an incredible amount of stress on our teenagers that they now have to process through all of that. I call it that a lot of times kids try to feel like they have to be postable all the time. This incredible pressure to have to, to look and be perfect. And we're not designed like that. That's just one of the little windows into their world nowadays, which make it so incredibly important for us to minister to this hurting generation that has so many issues that they have to deal with. Wow, Jeremy, I think you're blowing a lot of us away today with some of the things that we not necessarily always understand. We read about it and we see it on the television, but we don't realize that it's right here, right here with us. Yeah. So as the youth pastor, share with us now the excitement, what you'll be doing in the new building once we're completed. With all of that difficulty, I think that's why it's so important that we get this building right. I don't think that's why it's I think that's why it's so important that they have fun in this new space. Um, while I said there's a lot of new th issues for teenagers, there's also a lot of things that are always the same. And kids want to have fun, which is why I love the idea of that rooftop pavilion area where kids can, can play and hang out and they can have a space that's tailored for them, that they love to be in, that they can call their own and we can have fun. And then we get to build that relationship with them and share the gospel with them and talk about the deep things that matter. And that's what we're looking forward to in this building. It'll be um, an awesome place for them to experience fun and fellowship and in, in a way that matters to them. And then we can get to the heart of what really matters. 
Wow, that's great. And I'll tell you, I would love to be a teenager in your youth ministry. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much, Jeremy. Well, church family, you just heard today the why we are doing this for Generations to Come Faith Campaign. And thank you so much for your faithfulness. And we ask that you continue to pray because that's what we're doing is bathing this entire project in prayer and trusting God. Thank you, church. God bless you. Sing together, please. Just one last time before Pastor Sam comes. Let's stand. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what we He sheds on our Last verse together, then in, then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go, never fear, only trust and Good to see you again. Is that my mic making a noise here? The pulpit mic, if that works. Okay, everybody hear me now? All right, well, good morning. Good to see you in the house of the Lord again, and just uh, thank you for being here. As you saw that video that uh, Lewis put together, we're kind of in some exciting times right now in the life of our church. But a part of that uh, excitement is that we have to go through some temporary inconveniences. I don't know if you've tried to park in the last uh, few Sundays, but we're missing a few parking spots. And so I appreciate y'all bearing with us during this time. But uh, as a part of to try to combat that is we have been uh, having some buses that you may have seen circle the campus, pick you up. And if you've had to park in the very back of our campus, it can be a little bit of a walk. And so we're trying to do that, uh, but we are in need of a few extra bus drivers. And so if you wouldn't uh, mind helping us with that, or if you're interested in it, there's a table out in the atrium you can stop by and sign up, and uh, we would love to have your support and help with that. And again, thank you for bearing with us uh, through this season, uh, but better days are ahead of the church, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, good to see you again. We're continuing in our series called Lead Me to the Cross, and we've been walking through the latter part of the Gospel of John, and uh, just a really exciting series. And last week, Pastor Walter kind of introduced the idea at the beginning of chapter 15, the idea of abiding in the vine, right? And so we, we looked at this idea, and I, I, all throughout chapter 15, that 
understanding of abide is throughout the scriptures or throughout that, that chapter. And so I want to hit a little bit on that because it's such an important concept for you and I to understand in our lives, to abide in Christ. And that word abide in the Greek is minio, and it means to stay or remain, abide, uh, to expect something in the future or continue to exist or remain in existence. That is that you and I are to remain and abide in Christ and that when we abide in him, we find rest, we find peace, we find encouragement, we find hope, we find acceptance. Most importantly, we find God's love for us in our lives. But it's also a place that we can live in, in a place of expectation. That knowing how good and faithful the Lord has been in the past, we can believe and we can expect that the Lord will continue to be faithful in all the years of our life and throughout eternity. As I was thinking about this recently, my, my family and I uh, took a trip, a, a little bit of a road trip, and following Christmas uh, Day on the 26th, we, we started our journey, and uh, I had, uh, kind of rented a few different places for us to stay along the way, and uh, as we left on the 26th, we were making our way up to the mountains, and as we were going up there, uh, we were getting ready to arrive at our, our cabin, this little quaint little cabin in the middle of the mountains, and we arrived there, and it was just this picture-perfect moment that as soon as we arrived at the cabin, it started snowing. And for my kids, they were just overly excited. And so we were at this cabin, and there was snow, and it was beautiful. It was quiet. It was quaint. Uh, we, we got everything in the house. We unpacked. I even started a fire in the living room. And so we were sitting by the fire watching it snow. It could not be better. And as we were enjoying this place, I thought, well, it's probably about time for me to start dinner. So I go into the kitchen and uh, get ready to, to start cooking. And I go in to turn on the faucet, and no water comes out. I thought, well, that's, that's not going to work. And uh, apparently it got so cold that it froze all the pipes in our cabin and all the cabins in the area. And so uh, when you're not expecting to be without water, it can be a real burden with little kids, right? And so uh, after only 24 hours being there, we had, we had to leave. And so I had to find another place and, and uh, we moved over to the new place that we were supposed to stay at. And as we got there, I you know, looked at it online and it looked really nice. And, but when we got there, I realized that the pictures that I saw online were not matching the way it looked in person. And so bad that a lot of things were not safe, like the floor was about to cave in and uh, all these things there. And, and so soon I realized we couldn't stay here. And so again... Well, the place that I thought we were going to abide and find rest in and unpack and spend the weekend didn't work out, so we had to go to the next place. <laughs> now, certainly, this third place is going to be the charm, right? And so we get to the next place. Oh, it's really nice, and you know, I was able to get it last minute, and, and we get in there, and before I even unpacked, I thought, you know, I'm going to go check the faucet first. <laughs> so I walk in, and I turn the faucet on, and there's no water. Like, what is going on here? I, I just want to, you know, spend some time and unpack, you know, we just want to be with the family. I want to be in a place, want to abide in a place for a few weeks, and I, and I can't seem to find a place that's going to work out. Luckily, I just had to turn the water on under the house, so it ended up working out okay. But there was this few, uh, few days there that I felt like I just, no matter what I did, we could not find a place to rest at. And, you know, I, I think spiritually talking, a lot of us in our life have maybe been in a season of life where we're looking to find rest. We're looking to find peace. We're looking to find hope and acceptance and love. And we try to, we try to abide in the things of this world. 
We try to find our sense of hope. We try to find our sense of rest in the world. But a lot like that trip that I took, we only feel, feel left feeling that things were not quite as they seemed at first. We leave feeling disappointed. We leave feeling like the places that we're trying to find rest in and abide in are not adequate. And, and this is what John 15 talks about, is that for you and I, when it comes to abiding, when it comes to finding a place of rest and hopefulness, there is no other place for us to experience that than other than in Christ Jesus. That is the only place that we can find rest and hope and live in a place of expectancy. And this is why Jesus talks so much in John chapter 15 about this concept of abiding. Because not only do when we are abiding in Christ do we experience the fullness of life, the fullness of God's peace, but it's also out of a place of abiding in Christ's love that we can learn and understand how to love others. And that's an important concept that we're going to look at this morning. How can we love others to the best of our ability in the strength that God has given us? And so we're going to look at John 15 this morning, starting in verse 9, kind of picking up where we left off. And you have your Bibles this morning. I want to encourage you, if you're able to this morning, to please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. In verse 9 says this, John chapter 15. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may be given to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated this morning. Abiding. What does it look like to abide? What does it look like? And I think Jesus lays it out pretty well there for us. He says that, as the Father loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love, and if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, Jesus is, is kind of referencing here and referring to here the, the greatest of all the commandments, right? The greatest of the commandments that all the other uh, commandments, the Levitical laws, they, they pointed at this one commandment. And it, it was kind of known throughout the Old Testament as the Shema, which was in, in Deuteronomy, and it went like this. It said, Hear, O Israel, that the Lord your God is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And, and, and Jesus would repeat this and echo this over and over and out in the scriptures and the gospels. And in fact, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And he's talking about abiding, that if we're going to abide in Christ, that it involves our heart, it involves our mind, and it involves our soul. And, and I think when we hear that, sometimes we have a little bit of a challenge understanding what that looks like in our life. And so I want to kind of break that down. When we, we talk about loving God from our heart, 
See, when we love God from a heart, we embrace God's love for our life. But typically, when you love someone inwardly, what happens? It expresses itself outwardly, right? There is an action that takes place. And so when we talk about embracing God's love for us, it usually should follow with actions. How we live, how we talk, how we treat others, how we respond to God, how we walk in obedience. I mean, we know this, right? If you love someone, typically you can see visible indicators of that love outwardly, right? You may give a hug, you may give a handshake, you may give an embrace. These are outward actions caused by an inward love. And so when we talk about the love of God, when we love God with our heart, it should cause us to take outward action in our life. First John kind of talks about this, and he's talking about our outward love towards other, but the concept is there. It says, 1 John 3.18, Little children, let's not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. See, if you're going to love with your heart, it should be coupled with action. Not just towards God, but also towards others. So understand a little bit about this idea of loving God with our heart, embracing his love. But then he talks about also in our mind. And I love this, that our minds should meditate on God's love and faithfulness. That we should dwell on that, that we should abide in it, that we should rest in it. Abiding means that we will constantly and consistently fix our minds on the goodness of God's love. Scripture says to renew our minds each and every day. I don't know about you, but there are a lot of days i got to renew my mind, right? When, when the enemy wants to attack, when I feel defeated, I've got to go back and I've got to dwell and I've got to meditate on the love of the Lord. I love what Psalms 48.9 says, Oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love as we worship in your temple. We've got to meditate on his love. You know, you, you heard Pastor Jeremy talk about the challenges facing ministering to students. And one of the things that he mentioned is the challenges of so many students dealing with anxiety, depression, and fear, and worry. It's this mental battle that they are facing day in and day out. But I don't think it's just teenagers that deal with that, right? It's all of us. And if you look at any report right now, they're saying that, uh, you know, mental battles and mental struggles, mental instability are things that so many people are facing. And listen, can I, can I tell you one of the responses that we need as Christ followers when we're dealing with that is not to fix our minds on the lies of the enemy, not to fix our minds on the things of this world, but to fix our minds on the unfailing love of God. Fix our minds. Because see, when our hearts and our minds are meditating on the goodness of God's love and all of his truth and his word and the promises that he's given us, can I tell you, there's a lot less room for the attacks of the enemy to enter into our mind. When we fill our mind with the goodness of God's love and we meditate on it, the enemy has less room to throw his attacks at us. Put on the full helmet of salvation, right? And trust in him. And so not only do we see this idea of, of loving God with our full heart, loving him with our mind, focusing in on our mind, he also says to love him with our soul. And I love this idea that Psalms 103 says it like this. Psalm of David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And I think that that scripture gives some insight on what it means for us to love the Lord with all our soul. It's with everything that we are. It's in our entire being that we love the Lord, that we surrender unto him, that we give him everything, every part of us, and we surrender unto his lordships. In other words, we allow him to saturate the fullness of God's presence and life within us. I think of it's like this, you know it. When you, uh, if you were to buy a house and, and to, to move into it, and, and uh, if you get into the house but you uh, took up residence, but you didn't move any of your belongings into that house, you didn't move your furniture, you didn't move your bed or any of your things, it would just be an empty house. It wouldn't be the place that you lived or resided or abided. It would just be a house. It's only when you presented everything that you had, everything that was about you, and you moved it into that house, would it begin to feel like home. You know, when we give our lives to Christ, we don't hold anything back. We give our lives to Christ. Everything that we have is his. And we surrender it to him. All that is within me, we give that to the Lord. God doesn't want just part of our lives. He wants all of our lives, all of our heart, all of our being. And that's what is referred here. You know, why is this concept of abiding so important? Because out of a place of abiding and living in relationship with the Lord, out of that overflow comes our ability to love and care for others. Uh, And and so your second point, if you're taking notes this morning, is love enables love. (laughs) Love enables love. Verse 12, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And I'm so grateful that Jesus doesn't ask us something that he hasn't already modeled for us, right? His leadership is exampleship. He shows us each and every day how we are to love one another. And he has showed us the depth of his love. Uh, You know, I think that we're not going to be capable of fully loving on a deeper level before we truly know what love looks like. And the only way that we're going to know that is if we know Christ's love in our lives. And only through his love can we love others. For us to love, we must abide in his love. We cannot show love without knowing his love. And you know, if we're not abiding constantly in him, it is going to be a challenge to love others. It's going to be a challenge to love your spouse the way that you're called to. It's going to be a challenge to love your family the way that you're called to. It's going to be a challenge to love your coworkers. Let alone the people who are rude or mean or uh, ugly to you, those who are bad drivers, (laughs) those who uh, like to take 100 items into the uh, express checkout line when it's only 10, those who let their dogs use the restroom in your yard and then leave it there, right? All those things, it's going to be difficult to love those who persecute you, those who are your enemies, if you are not abiding in his love. Let me say it like this. When it comes to showing love to one another, you cannot take another person where you have not been yourself. You cannot show someone else where you have never seen. And this is why Jesus says if we're going to show love, we have to abide in him. Imagine trying to tell somebody, hey, I'm going to lead you to this really powerful, meaningful place. But as you tell them that, you tell them also that, uh, hey, well, I've actually never been there myself. (laughs) I'm actually not even sure how you get there. And to be honest, I'm not even sure if it exists. Are you going to follow that person? Probably not, right? If 
if you're going to be led by someone, you want to know that they've been there, that they've experienced, that they know about it. They know how to get there, what it looks like. The same way, if we're going to truly love those around us, we need to know in our lives the power and love of Christ in us. And it's only through that place that we can love others. None of us can fully love and understand the depths of love until we have seen and understood the love of Christ. First John 4.19 says it like this. We love because what? He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not have the love his brother, whom he has he, he's seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. There's the commandment, right? Not only to love the Lord your God, but also to love your neighbor. And that's the important thing. But we only can love when we are abiding in Christ Jesus. The only way that love is enabled is when we experience God's love in our life. Third thing that you can write down this morning, the key to joy is love. The key to joy is love. I love that Jesus says this, is these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. I love that Jesus gives us an opportunity not only to abide in him, to know the fullness of his love, and he gives us an invitation from that love and understanding that to love others, but he goes on further to say that you can know the fullness of the joys in life by loving others and following my commandments. You can know joy. Can I, can I tell you, maybe you can relate to this, the most joyful times of my life are when I'm loving and abiding in God well and I'm loving others well. Those are the most joyful times in my life. Anybody been in that? you experienced that when you're loving God and loving others? That's the most fulfilling time in your life. I love this. Jesus not only telling you to abide, he's telling you to be loved, but you can know and experiencing the fullness of joy in your life today and for eternity by loving others. You know, I, I think of this illustration. Anybody have any keys they brought? If you have keys, just dig them out of your pocket. Dig them out of your pocket if you have your keys. And hold them up. You can give them a little jingle if you have it when you get it there, so I know that you have them, all right? Have we got their keys? Okay. Give everybody a moment. Okay, that's enough jingling, okay? Just kidding. Just kidding. Now, I want you to look at your key ring for just a minute. Look closely. I, I, I'm sure if you look at your key ring, you, you probably have a key that lets you into your house or the place you live, right? You got one of those keys on there. Uh, maybe if you look closely, you, you've got a car key on there. If you don't like your car, trade with your neighbor. Now's a good time. Um, you have that on there. Uh, maybe you have on here, I have a mailbox key. Get my mail and check it. Maybe you have that key on there. I have, uh, let's see on here. I have a key that lets me into the church, the place where I, I work and uh, my office. And uh, so I have that. Some of you may have keys on your key rings that you have no idea what they go to. <laughs> I'm going to have a special counseling session after church. You guys are invited if you have those keys on your key ring. But I want you to look at your key ring for just a minute. Look closely. Now, now look to see, do you have a key to experiencing joy on your key ring? Do you have one? I don't have one on mine. But you know who does? Jesus. Now, I want you to look closely. Do, do you, does anybody have a, a key to knowing forgiveness on your keychain? I don't have one on mine, but do you know who does? Jesus. Now, I want you to look again. Does anybody have the keys to eternal life and the hope of salvation on your key ring? 
I don't have it on mine. I didn't get that key. Only Jesus has that key. And I want you to look again. Did anybody have the keys over death and defeat of sin, right? Does anybody have that key on their key ring? I don't have it either, but you know who does? Jesus. See, Jesus has a lot of keys. You can put your keys up that you and I don't have. But the goodness of God, we put our faith and our trust in him. He allows access for you and I to use the keys that he has. You and I don't have the keys to joy in our life. But through putting our faith by abiding in Christ's love, Jesus can open in our lives the keys to experiencing the fullness of joy in him. He says, when we follow his commands, when we abide in him and we love others, it says at that point, Jesus begins to give us the fullness of joy in our life. Jesus holds the key to joy for him to unlock that joy in your life. You must love him and you must return and show that love also to others. Fourth thing that you can write down this morning, the last thing, walking in love brings us closer to Christ. Walking in love brings us closer to Christ. Jesus said this in the last part of our passage, John 15. He says, you are my friends, and if you do what I command, you no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus extends to us the biblical commandment of loving others. And when we follow, when we embrace the truth of his teaching and his commandments, when we show love and commitment to him, in turn, Jesus allows us to come in close proximity to him and to know him and to live in relationship, calling us not servants, but friends. You know, I think about that. I think about Jesus and getting to know him personally and intimately. You know, Jesus already knows me. He knows the ins and outs of my life. He knows my hurts. He knows my hang-ups. He knows all the insecurities I have. And yet, he still invites me to live in relationship with him and to get to know him personally. What a Savior that we serve, that he would invite us to walk in fellowship with him. I uh, just recently got the, the privilege to go to Israel to go to the Holy Land and, um, you know, often been asked, you know, what was the most meaningful uh, time or experience that you had over there? And uh, if you want to talk for hours after church, I'd be happy to talk to you about Israel because it was so meaningful and it was hard to pinpoint one. But I would say one of the most meaningful times for me while I was there is going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And being in the garden where Jesus prayed the high priestly prayer just before he was crucified on the cross and feeling the burden and the weight of our shame, of our sin, and yet going to the Father and saying, Father, your will, not my will. Feeling the burden that he was carrying and the hurt and the anguish in his life. I thought about that as I went in the garden and I found an olive tree to sit under. And I thought about, you know, not too far from here, someplace, Jesus would have sat down to have that prayer. And I thought about so many years ago when he prayed that prayer, 
what was meaningful to me is before I even took my very first breath, before I even stepped foot on this earth, Jesus was thinking about me in the garden. He was thinking about me and he was thinking about you. And though the burden that he bore was so very enormous, and the thought of being crucified on the cross was overwhelming, he said when he thought about you and me that we are worth it. It was worth for him to go to the cross that we might live in relationship with him. He loved us that much. So this morning, I I don't know where you are. I don't know if you've entered into that relationship with the Lord Jesus. But there's an invitation this morning. As Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. This morning, if you've never put your faith and trust in him, maybe this morning you would embrace God and you would love him and outwardly you would commit to walking in his ways and his commandments. And in your mind, you would believe the truth of who he is. And in your very being, in your very soul, you would surrender all that you have for him and for his glory. And maybe in the quietness of the moments that uh, we're going to have in just a moment of invitation, maybe for the first time, you would accept him as your Lord and Savior. And in the, in the quietness of this moment, as he invites you to be his friend, to be close to him, that you would pray to him and put your trust and faith in him, ask for forgiveness of your sins, and commit to walking alongside of him all the days of your life. My prayer is if you've never taken that step of faith this morning, that you would do so. Because Jesus, so many years ago, when he walked this earth and he bore the cross, all the while he was thinking of you and how much he loved you. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you so much, and we want to give you all honor and all glory. Father, as we have a time of invitation this morning, I pray that we would respond, Lord, accordingly. And Lord, for some of us, maybe we need to put our faith and trust in you this morning. Maybe uh, today is our first step, and we embrace you as our Lord and Savior, and we, uh, we believe in the truth of your word, and we ask for forgiveness of our sins. Maybe this morning we commit to following you. So in this quiet of this moment, I pray that they would talk to you, that they would pray to you, Father, or if they need help praying this morning, they would come forward. God, maybe some this morning you're challenging us to, in other ways. Maybe it's to join this church family. Maybe it's to take another step of faith and being baptized. Uh, Lord, God, however you move within us, I pray that we would respond to your will and to your desire this morning. It's in Christ's name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and let's worship this morning. You come. Just as.
broken to be mended. I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I'm welcomed with open arms. Praise God, just as I am. Just as am I would be lost. But mercy and grace, my freedom bought. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. Well, praise God just as I Father, we have joined together this morning according to your word. We have fellowshiped. We have spent time praising you and responding to your love toward us. Father, we've heard your word, and now I pray that we would take those things, take those truths that we've heard, and would you apply them to our lives this week? Give us the courage and the boldness to stand up for the things that you would have us to Conform us to the image of your Son. Use these things to draw us closer to you, that we might answer Ephesians as it says, Now to him who is able exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen.